It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio, and thank you for joining me this morning. I'm going to start off with some wonderful news, and I mean wonderful news, and that is that the Great Lakes are getting more attention to what is taking place as a result of the amount of nitrogen and phosphorus and pollutants coming into the Great Lakes. It was announced this week that Ducks Unlimited has launched a new $2.1 million research project to examine the Great Lakes' harmful algae blooms and also to try to figure out what is going on with declining mallard populations. $2.1 million may not seem like a lot of money in the scheme of what's being thrown around in Washington these days, but I would offer the $2.1 million in the hands of scientists working for Ducks Unlimited is going to do a lot of good. $2.1 million in the hands of those who may not have to answer for their work may not be as much money, but $2.1 million to look at what's going on in the Great Lakes and Mallard populations for Ducks Unlimited is a lot of money and they will do a great job, and we will get answers. But why is this such a big issue? It's such a big issue because something is going on in the Great Lakes. We are seeing large declines. I'll rephrase that. We are seeing declines in mallard populations across Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, areas that while they may not contribute anywhere near as much to the population overall, as do the prairies, which of course are the, whole, are the holy grail for, for breeding waterfowl, they still produce enough birds that we have to pay attention to why this decline is taking place. And there's something going on. In Michigan, the mallard duck population has dropped from about 500,000 to just under 200,000. That's more than a 50% decline. So the Ducks Unlimited project is in partnership with Michigan State University, Mississippi Flyway Council, and other organizations. And it's going to use new cutting-edge technology, which, interestingly, uh, in part was pioneered by Dr. Stan Garrett of Ohio State, who's had a long affiliation with the Max McGraw Wildlife Foundation, on global positioning systems, GPS, for mobile communications, these are GSMs as they call them, they're transmitters that are surgically implanted into birds, in this case they'll be implanted into mallards, to um, look at, their, look at their, their migration patterns and their productivity throughout the Great Lakes region. Um, Stan Garrett, who I mentioned a moment ago, helped pioneer this work uh, with mammalian predators uh, raccoons and coyotes in particular, and he's world famous, as many of you have read 
about his work all over National Geographic, Chicago Tribune, virtually every paper in the country and elsewhere has written at one time or another about Dr. Garrett's work uh, on, on raccoons and coyotes and, and urban uh, behavior. This is important work using cutting-edge technology with an organization that, that has a reputation for, for getting results. It's not just some big government program uh, to go and look at something, and I think all of us should hope that we get more attention paid to the Great Lakes. There, there clearly is something going on here. We don't understand what it is. Why would mallard populations be declining? It's also if mallard populations are declining in the Great Lakes region substantially, uh, as it appears to be, that would indicate that other bird populations are declining in the Great Lakes, <clears throat> not just mallards, but that we could be seeing a diminishment of songbird populations. Is it? Is it the contaminated water? Is it algae blooms? What, what is causing this? So I think we're, we're getting into something that's going to provide a lot of answers that we need to have. The Great Lakes are a North American jewel. As I said a moment ago, they may not produce the number of ducks. They don't produce anywhere near the number of ducks that the prairies do, but they, they are maybe a proverbial canary in the coal mine. If something's going on to cause mallard populations to decline as they are in, in Michigan by more than half, then something's going on that's not healthy for the environment. And anything we can do to reduce the algae blooms that are coming into the Great Lakes is, is really important. So that's, uh, that's great news as far as, uh, as far as the Great Lakes and those of us who love birds are concerned. I want to sh switch for a moment, um, since we're talking about birds, uh, to, to a totally different continent, and that's Australia. Um, and the Smithsonian Magazine recently published a, a very interesting article, which it may have been written about Australia, but it, it applies to America in absolute spades. And it's something I've talked about a lot on the air. It's something I've had Dr. Stan Garrett on the air to talk about and others. The headline was, Australia's cats kill 2 billion animals annually. Here's how the government of Australia is responding to the crisis. Australia is setting up a program driven by the government to try to greatly reduce the number of feral cats that exist in Australia. Cats were not indigenous to Australia, and they were not indigenous to America. They came over, of course, on the boats of the settlers centuries ago. But they have done in Australia such an incredible job of destroying species and, and bringing about not only extinction, but bringing about a really a great reduction in the number of species of birds and animals that you can only wonder why we haven't paid more attention to this in the United States. And maybe the reason we haven't paid more attention to this in the United States is because we, um, we in America have an awful lot of people who absolutely love cats. And, and as a result of their love for cats, they won't tolerate, and I, and I know many of you listening may be in the category of thinking that cats are absolutely wonderful. I'm in the category of thinking that cats are house cats and they belong in houses. And that once they are allowed to roam the streets, forests, marshes, 
they are doing a huge disservice to all of us who love birds and wildlife. So uh, as our kids were growing up, we had cats. We declawed them. We did everything we could to make sure that those cats would never go after the birds in our bird feeder. Unfortunately, that doesn't happen in most of America. And in fact, we have gone in America to, as Stan Garrett has talked about on the air, just an absolute other extreme. We have cat caregivers. We have cat colonies. We neuter and vaccinate cats. We don't declaw them. We don't, we don't tell people to keep cats in their houses. In Chicago, we have cat colonies. It, 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 to me, and I may get some hate mail for this, I can't understand how we could have a cat colony in the city of Chicago when these cats are free to maraud around Lincoln Park, the lakefront, or any place, and, and eat every bird they can find and take every nest they can find. Um, and we wonder why, in part, we might be having declining mallard populations in the upper Midwest around the Great Lakes. Uh, there was a study a few years ago in Wisconsin as to the number of feral cats, feral cats being cats that, of course, were raised in captivity and then they went wild and then they have their own young and those cats are not domesticated in any way, shape or form. They, they are the number one predator because cats not only kill to eat, cats kill for amusement. And if you've ever watched cats hunt, they don't, they'll often kill things and have no intention of eating. So um, it's possible, and it was mentioned a few years ago in Wisconsin, that one of the things that could absolutely be causing a decline in bird populations in Wisconsin is the number of cats. I, I wouldn't doubt it. The number of feral cats um, is, is very large in America. It's believed that it's actually far bigger than it is in Australia. And if it's far bigger in Australia, then it's going to be um, far more dangerous. And why do we have neuter, trap, neuter, and release programs? And why do we have cat colonies when we know the result is that these animals, which are not na naturally here, simply roam our neighborhoods and roam the countrysides and roam farm communities and, and are the most effective predator that we, we've actually ever introduced into our community. So this is probably a multifaceted question. It all starts with what's going on. Why is our war quality the way it is? How can we control algae blooms? It goes on to why are we seeing fewer birds? There is usually seldom one reason. It's almost always a combination of reasons. But as we dig into this in the Midwest, I don't think we can, we can turn our attention to the issue of feral cats in the United States. And according to the Smithsonian article, there could be as many as 100 million feral cats in the United States. And a study by Nature found that cats kill an estimated this is just a number I, I, I can't even know where they get it, but it's so enormous. 22.3 billion mostly native mammals and birds in the United States annually. So if we think about that for a second, it's possible that there could be up to 100 million 
feral cats, stray cats in the United States. And it's estimated by nature that they could kill as many as 22 billion birds and, and mammals. That's a lot, folks. That may explain a lot of reasons why bird populations are declining. It doesn't explain. It's not the main one, but it certainly could be a big part of the cause. I'll be back in just a moment with much more on the Great Outdoors Show. Thank you for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN. And first, a message from our longtime sponsor, the Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet Dealers. In the field, hunters need to be alert. Sense the environment around them and know exactly where they are. Communicate seamlessly with their dogs. And when it comes to pickup trucks, you want the same qualities. The all-new Chevy Silverado comes with an available 4G Wi-Fi hotspot for seamless communication. It's designed to handle the toughest loads with advanced trailering technology. Tough on the road and off. And the all-new design gives you more cargo space than the competition. Chevy Silverado is the most dependable, longest-lasting, full-size pickup on the road. Plus, there's never been a better time to see your local Chevy dealer about the Big Fix lease. It's an amazing lease deal that can lower your monthly payments and give you more Chevy, all for less money. That's a treasure hunt. So head to your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and see why Chevy is the number one best-selling brand in Chicagoland, now eight years running. It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And also this week, there's a busy week in Washington and a busy week in the outdoors. A new Secretary of the Interior was confirmed. And, and it is, it is historic. Deb Haland, who was a former Congresswoman from New Mexico, has been confirmed as Interior Secretary, which first of all, is she is the first Native American to be confirmed as Interior Secretary. And there have been, there's been a lot written about her. I personally don't know her. I really was not aware of her until she was nominated. And then as, as the outdoor community became aware of her and her record, um, I, I say this it, with all due respect. Uh, I think it's wonderful that we have a Native American as Secretary of the Department of Interior. I think it would be more wonderful if we had a Secretary of Interior who was a Native American who believed and was a much more staunch defender of our outdoor hunting heritage and who had a better track record for supporting outdoor recreation. And when I say that, I mean public access for hunting and fishing. I mean, standing up for the rights of sportsmen and women to do what they have historically done in America, and who also recognizes that conservation is the wise use of our natural resources. Environmentalism is get something, lock it up, and throw away the key, and don't touch it. Teddy Roosevelt, well-defined conservationist, the wise use of our natural resource, as have so many, Aldo Leopold, John Muir, so many. What we have in the new Secretary of the Interior does not appear to be an individual who thinks that our resources are to be managed. 
it appears to be an individual who is not going to be that open-minded to the management of our natural resources, which means that they, in fact, um, will decline. And if we don't have great access to America's great outdoors, we then will see a diminishment in outdoor opportunity. One of the things that happened in the previous administration, whether you liked it or not, was the administration, that is, is that they were staunch believers in having public access for hunting and fishing to public lands. And they opened up tens of thousands of acres to hunting where hunting had previously been closed, which was used as a wildlife management tool, which was important to manage populations, and also was used to provide access and recreation for people who want to enjoy hunting and fishing. I'm not sure the new Secretary of the Interior comes from that kind of a set of beliefs. We'll have to see. But the groups that have been most excited about her becoming Secretary of the Interior are those traditionally aligned with causes that border more on environmentalism than conservation or are frankly just outright environmental groups and not conservation groups. So I hope that the new Secretary of the Interior will surprise us. It's often happened in the past that they have and will be a great advocate for hunting and fishing in America and will be an advocate for opening up our public lands for their use and rather than just closing things down because they shouldn't be used. Let's hope that happens. We'll find out in the coming years or even much sooner than that. We actually will find out in the, in the coming months. With just a couple of minutes I have left, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what's quickly happening, and that is that turkey season is about to be upon us in many areas. We have had the past few years such terrible, terrible flooding across the Midwest that many of the areas that turkeys bred in have been underwater during the breeding season. So turkey populations last year in particular, the poults had a tough time. Uh, we're early in the year. We haven't had the kind of snowfall that would, would indicate that we're going to have the kind of flooding that we've had that wipes out the Illinois River Valley, the Kaskaskia, and so many river valleys in the Midwest. But we'll see soon enough. I'll be back next week with much more of the great outdoors. And when I do, I'm going to talk about sheep and how they may be used to help mitigate wildfires, a really interesting subject. Plus, I'll have a lot more to talk about. Thanks for listening. This is Charlie Potter in the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WGN.